Hallelujah. God bless you. If you'll take your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We'll read. We're going to read there. Before I read 1 Corinthians 12, hold your finger there, and I'm going to read uh, some selected verses out of Genesis 2. Verse 18. Carrying on from Wednesday night. For those of you that were not here Wednesday, it might be a little more difficult for you to kind of follow, but I'll try to make it as clear as possible. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an helpmate for him. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. A scripture that you're all familiar with tells us, in Luke, and it shall, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded, but the same day that Lot Went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. That's the Son I'm talking about. It's not good for man to be alone. And this is the man I'm speaking of. The day when this man was revealed. And the God, this was the second Adam, says it's not good for him to be alone. I will make for him a wife. Hallelujah. This is God's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And Paul, speaking about this body, said in 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one body. For the body is, for the body is not one member, but many. God bless you. You may be seated. Pray now that our... Gracious Heavenly Father will make clear the word to us as we speak. The ministry of uh, our Lord Jesus, he referenced, he used the reference, a son of man, 
uh, not many times, I think around 70 times, concerning himself in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In his revealing in this day, Brother Branham made reference to the Son of Man over a thousand times. And it was significant that he should do that because this is the time of his revealing. He used the term for the first time that I have been able to find was in the message, The Angel of God, in 1948. And he now is uh, bringing forward God through the prophet vessel is beginning to make known the ministry of the Son of Man. And that ministry now is going out to the individual people. And he's drawing an example from the scripture where Jesus is coming to the man who he is going to tell him, the man in the, at the pool of Bethesda, and he's going to speak to him and the man is telling Jesus, I have no one to put me in the water. But the, the, the thought I want you to lay hold of is that he's speaking now, one person, Jesus Christ, speaking to one man as an individual to an individual. And he's revealing himself as the son of man. And uh, he said, take up your bed and walk. When Jesus was questioned, and brother, this is what Brother Branham is speaking of, when he was questioned, he told those that were questioning him that the Son of Man could do nothing except what he's seen the Father doing before. So what he sees the Father do, so doeth the Son likewise, the Son of Man. That was his, Brother Branham's first instance of the use of that term. His last one is in the very last gathering he has, which is communion in 65. After the entire ministry is all finished, but now it is not a one-on-one. -on -one. He's not describing a ministry of one person to an individual. But now in, in the communion, he's saying that we do this. Because that we are giving thanks to him and among one another, eating bread between each other. See, it's not individual now. Now it's a community, it's a group. And wine between each other as his blood and his flesh. And then he quotes, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man. You have no life in you. The last time he used the phrase. Now it has gone from a ministry to, from one to one. Now he's brought it into a community. This is a body. We are eating bread with one another. We are drinking the wine with one another. And except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man. So this revealing of the Son of Man, God has has taken it and it has evolved from one to the community, to the union, uh, rather the, the gathering of the people, the body. 
And I think that is very significant. Uh, there is a, a thought that's well known in uh, this generation, which usually I think is used to describe a political persuasion, someone who may be persuaded one way or another, and it's individualism or collectivism. And individualism is thought more, uh, I think, tends more to democracy, while collectivism tends more to the communist or communism. And incidentally, I don't think that communism, as we understand it, or as you know it, and nations who have identified themselves as communists, I personally, and this is my own personal thought, believe it's the highest form of capitalism because it's only a handful of people that hold all the wealth, at least in democracy, uh, and, and which tends towards individualism. The, the, oh, you know, the, the individual is free, and of course there's various levels of thought along that line, but uh, uh, those that have, in a d democratic society, they feel that we have a certain collectivism as well because you go and vote for who you want and the, the majority wins and that's who goes into power. And so in one sense, it has been a collective movement. On the other hand, it's an individual. Everybody has the, the, uh, you know, the honor of the individual. They can go as far as they want and, and go as high as they want and earn as much money as they want and live as high as they want or or go out in the woods and get lost if they want to and and live as a hermit whatever the individual wants to do that's what's respected and I find that in the individual and you'll see well you might say well why did you swing this way well because that's exactly what we started in the ministry of the son of man he just starts with the individual this person that woman that man this person over here but at the end of the ministry I want you to see that it's not the individual it is, it is a collective body, and it is for the betterment of the body. Uh, we are not, within the body of Christ, uh, permitted to do just what we want to do. We are, we are called to do what is for the benefit of the whole body. And that is what's important, you see. And so uh, we, have, we don't want our understanding of the Scripture be t to be tainted with what is, uh, what is known in the world as being individualism or collectivism. Because, you know, the thing is, even within the body of Christ, it's not a democracy and neither is it communism as we understand it. And yet we are to have things in common. Uh, a, a, a lot of you have come from colonies where, which were based on uh, and t from the scripture and they had all things in common and you know that they don't have that in the, in the uh, community of the colonies because only a few just exactly like the communist nations only a few held all the wealth and all the power and all the authority and all the decision making was just in the hands of a very few that's not having all things in common that's not the way it works I'm glad for the, for the community that was birthed on the day of Pentecost, which is under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So we're not, we're not just individuals. We don't do and we cannot be. We are a part of a body. Uh, in the rapture message, 
prophet said you are a part of God because you're an attribute of God so God doesn't think of, of us and we and he does not deal with us and does not look upon us as being just a a, a loose gathering of people but we are a functioning body dependent upon one another and interact with one another this world now would have you you know because because of the society that we live in you can live in your own little sphere I can live in my own little sphere we can come here under one roof etc and 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 mingle around for a while and shake hands and smile at one another that's not what God has in mind as a body he has a he has in mind a body that is integrally integral with one another we interact with one another we are to be concerned about one another we're to be affectionate to one another we're to love one another and we're to understand that this body operates for the benefit of the body we cannot look upon one another and see someone in need and have our bowels uh, closed up our bowels of compassion and yet on the other hand we find that the there are those that in this society that we've been raised into that believe in individualism they go off on you know on their uh, they, they believe what they believe they may be believers of the message but they live a very individualistic life until disaster comes and suddenly they believe in the community you know great collapse great collapse of some kind maybe when they're healthy and strong and all the rest they're just roaring ahead you don't hardly see them and suddenly they're sick oh they want everybody to know pray for me now you know come to my aid well that's fine and that's what we're supposed to do but the thing is we need to know ahead of time that that's not the that's not the order of the day that's not the way this body functions go roaring ahead and just you know have great financial success and then have a financial collapse when they were going ahead they didn't they didn't they weren't committed to the body at all but then when disaster came suddenly they're happy there's, there's this there's this community feeling of the body come to my aid we want to have that revelation long before that happens and so you are a part in the invisible union he said the anointed word of his day of which you are a part by predestination you are a part by predestination of the anointed word in the message God's power to transform you are a part of the word because he was the word at the beginning and you are the word now you're a part of the word and he and when you saw the word and see the word function and have the record of how the word functioned and operated we are a part of the same word all right now uh, I have a couple of quotes here just on individualism and collectivism I like to just drop it in and then I want to move on individualism holds that the individual is the primary unit of reality and the ultimate standard of value that's individualism and collective collectivism holds that the group the race or nation the community could be the church 
or the movement, whatever, etc., is the primary unit of reality in the ultimate standard of value. One is individualism, other is collectivism. How does this relate to the scripture? Well, we find very, very early when God began to speak to one person whose name was Cain, and God said, where's your brother? And the common phrase that's quoted so many times, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my brother? God wouldn't have asked if he hadn't been responsible. Am I my brother's keeper? The truth of the matter is, yes, we are our brother's keeper. That's how the body functions. We can't be just isolated in our little own sphere. We are our brother's keeper. This is a body. It's a functioning body. And we have, I have much to say about, about that today. And the Lord said, where is thy brother Abel, thy brother? In Romans, Paul says, therefore, if thine enemy hunger, so it goes beyond the body. If thy enemy hunger, do what? Feed him. If thy enemy thirst, give him to drink. This isn't your friend. This isn't somebody you go to church with. This isn't something, someone who did you a favor or had you over and now you have them over. This is not reciprocal. That's not what it is. This is if he's your enemy. If he's done you wrong, if he's trying to do you wrong, if he's trying to act deceitful and he's hungry, feed him. There should have been a bigger amen to that. I'm reading what Paul said. This is the doctrine. This isn't a good idea. This isn't an option. This is a doctrine of the scripture. And he says, for in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. In fact, as I can say today that probably in the society we live in, there's a whole lot of coals that are never heaped upon a person's head because the thing isn't practiced. And if there were coals upon a person's head, perhaps they would react differently. Brother Branham talks about democracy, and this isn't, a, this isn't a, a message on politics at all. But he says, we can't look to democracy. Now, it was right, but it's, it's, run, it's, it, but it's run, it's lived its life. Kings lived their life, and kingdoms, and dictators, and all have lived their day. Democracy, excuse me, democracy was the best thing they had, but it's polluted through with politics. It's rotten to the core. You still believe he's prophet. No hopes on it at all. And he says you're just like trying to build on a charred cities that's burnt to smolders. You can't build it. It's ruined and gone, and it has to be that way. It must come that way. The Bible says it'll be that way. He said, Satan is the ruler of every nation, and I will say both democratic and communist, every nation. 
however they're run by a dictator or by a voted-in government or whatever more, as far as our position is concerned spiritually, because politics has corrupted it. Both democratic. He said every kingdom belongs to Satan and he rules them according to his own way of ruling. But this body of believers, it is a collective body. But it is a it is a gathering, it is a collective body, not by collectivism as, a, as is understood by our theories or our understanding uh, in, in, a, in a worldly sense, as far as the world is concerned. Our collective body of believers is called the body of Christ. It is called the bride of Jesus Christ. And that's quite a different body. And that's the one I'm talking about. The bride of Jesus Christ sounds good to me. The lamb's wife sounds very good to me. This is the body. And it, and it is a body that understands the, the community. It should understand the community. It should understand collectivism in its purest sense. And Jesus practiced it. The early church practiced it. But we, we need to understand it uh, in, in a pure way. The bride body is the product of the creative word of God. And in this end time, God has begun moving in a supernatural way through a prophet vessel... And I described at the beginning, just to set your thought in this way, began moving through that prophet vessel, dealing with just the individuals, so we could call that individualism. But as that ministry progressed, it became collective. It was to the body of Jesus Christ. I don't call you church anymore. I call you bride. As I ended up Wednesday. Not just a nice phrase. Not something just to make people feel good. Not, not just to make them feel uh, exclusive and a, a very special unit. While that is true. But that's not why he said it. He said it because in his ministry, it was moving the very, the very force of God, the Logos word that was coming out of his mouth, he saw was making a distinct, uh, uh, it, it was working according to the divine uh, purpose of God um, in the people. And he could see that a bride, a body of Christ was taking shape. Out of the humanity, which is the earth, and that God was creating a wife for the for the for Jesus Christ, for the man Jesus Christ, and God, the Lord God said, "It's not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helpmate for him." That is what has, incidentally, been happening. The making. God has been making. This is not uh, an arrangement of, of, of programs. We'll have a program. 
We'll have a program for the youth. We'll have a program for the school. We'll have a program of Sunday school. We'll have a program for the young couples. We'll have a program for the singles. We'll have a program and all these programs put together. And somehow we get a, a, a group of people. It could be 1,000, 2,000, or 10,000. It wouldn't necessarily have anything to do with the body of Christ. But when God, by His Spirit works through his servant and sends his word, a message into a generation, a, a certain point in time. That, that point in time becomes pivotal because now God is speaking. That is why I showed you on Wednesday night. And for those of you that were here, this will sound re repetitive, but if you just excuse me a moment. God begins dealing with Adam, one man. And then, then he begins, after the fall, that man fell, God begins to build. And he calls one man, once again, we could say that was individualism, calls one man out of all the earth. And he's the man who has the blessing of God. I will bless you. I will bless your seed. I'm going to give you, individual, this land. But then out from him comes Isaac. And out from Isaac comes Jacob. And out from Jacob comes the 12 patriarchs. But in the very beginning, God in his mind, he didn't have just the individual in mind. He had the whole collective body in mind. And he was saying it's not good. He was expressing his own, his own uh, desire. And Brother Branham said his desire was his attributes. He had desires to express his attribute. And he, the, he, the prophet said he loved fatherhood. Hallelujah. He had that attribute within him. He didn't have any sons. He didn't have any daughters. He didn't have any family. And out into the, uh, out into the eons of eternity. But yet he had that desire. Why it happened at this point, I don't know. Well, why it didn't happen uh, several trillion years ago, I don't know. God always was in existence. But I do know that we didn't come here by accident. We came here by a mighty uh, creator of heavens and earth. Uh, we are created in his image. And we have a desire that is similar to his desire. He wanted a, a body. He wanted a family. He wanted a marriage. He wanted a, a unit. He wanted a family. He desired his family. And when he called one man, he began to deal with him because he wanted to bring out this family. And his arch enemy slipped in and caused that first Adam to fall. And God began to build. And he begins to lay a foundation. He lays a cornerstone down. And it's a Abraham of faith. And he lays another corner down Isaac. And he lays another corner down Jacob. And he lays another fourth corner down for his masterpiece. And that's Joseph. And he's got the four corners of the monument that he's going to build. And now he begins and the 12 patriarchs come. Now he's been dealing with the individual one man. Now he comes. He's got the four corners of the masterpiece coming. And out of there come now tribes and clans. Now it's become collective. And out of that then finally he calls them because Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord. He says, I'm not going to call you Jacob anymore. You're not going to be a deceiver anymore. You're going to be called Israel. And those that came out now they have a different status. I'm going to call you now the children of Israel. 
you're the children of this man, the children of Israel. And then he raises up a prophet and calls them out of bondage according to his word by Abraham and takes them out of Egypt into the wilderness and begins to hover over them, or watch over them, make sure their shoes don't wear out, make sure their garments don't get old, make sure they have food coming down every day fresh from heaven, make sure they have fresh water. Two million people. Railroad tank loads of of water every day for all of these people. God looking over his family. You say, well, some of them, they were Korah and Dathan and Abrams and all of these renegades and the earth swallowed up. But God's purpose could could not be derailed. Hallelujah. I don't care what people say about the bride of Jesus Christ. God's purpose shall never fail. She'll be there. And God had said, I will make for him a helpmeet. I'll make for him a wife. That's the saith the Lord. And nothing can change that. And this body of people, and then God speaks to Abraham and says, speak to the people, make known my word, and they'll be a peculiar people unto me. They'll be a holy nation unto me. They will be a, they will be a congregation of Israel. Now, he calls them on, uh, on Gen- Exodus, the 12th chapter, just coming to the blood sacrifice. Now they'll be a congregation. Speak to the congregation of Israel. Congregation being the gathering of the people. This will be a gathering. Not just a gathering. Coming from another word that means there'll be a gathering that shall be a testimony. There'll be a gathering that shall be a witness. They are a gathering. And furthermore, it goes even further. It goes further from another compound word. There'll be a gathering for a witness, but for a restoration. And this restoration, this gathering gathering is to make somebody a king and make somebody a queen hallelujah speak to the congregation and i'm speaking to you about the congregation god instituted the congregation of israel hallelujah a lot of congregations that are gathering in buildings today But there are some that God has ordained. And whether they be in Kuwait or Iran, whether they be in India or China, whether they be in Europe or in Siberia or Russia, wherever they are, God has ordained his congregation. And he has said, you're my children and you're my family. You will be my witness in the earth. You're going to testify that I am king and I'm going to confirm that you're my queen. Hallelujah. Do you believe it? Not an individualistic kind of religion. This is a collective body. And God begin, he began to do this by the power of his own spoken word. Now, God cannot increase in knowledge. Neither can God increase in power, but he can increase in the manifestation of his power. He can increase in the glory 
of his manifestation. He can become more glorious. He can ever expand. They tell me that the universe is an expanding uh, uh, universe. That it is that there are more galaxies and more. Well, that doesn't bother me at all. I would believe that probably that's exactly right. Because God, is, is, he, you can't put him in a box. You can't, you can't define him. And that's why he said, don't make any image unto me because then that would that would uh, that, that would define what God was and as soon as you define him he's gone beyond it and that is why the prophet said and came so hard against denominations because a denomination defines what God is and what is not what truth is and, and can't go any further God can only be known by revelation and that and this God is an expanding God he's an enlargement he continues he increases he's eternal he said Jehovah Jehovah is which is a uh, which is two uh, words uh, uh, describing God put together that is a self-existent one but the prophet says now he is a self-existent one that exists with his family and he said he cannot be self-existent anymore he exists with his family he exists with you can you realize how great this is that we poor beings but yet creatures of his own grace and his own election we creatures have made him so he cannot be alone anymore because he's fulfilling his own word it's not good for man to be alone there was something within him that desired fellowship and that is why when the when the very expression of the invisible God was here on earth the Godhead the fullness of the Godhead bodily he desired and the prophet said he Jesus only asked for one thing and that was your fellowship think of it your fellowship Hallelujah. Why? Because he was expressing the Father. It's not good to be alone. And so God, he can expand in his manifestation of his glory. Let there be light, and there was. Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and there was. Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and it was so. Let the earth bring forth grass and herb, and it was, and it did. Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life, and it did. Let the earth bring forth the living creatures after its kind, and it did. And God created man in his own image, and he did. He created him. And he said, and I will make... A woman and he did he said when the Spirit of God the Logos the word which God said let there be and there was and there went the Logos which is the word and the word he said cuz all this was in the Logos all of this was in the Logos let there be and there was let it be and it did it was in the Logos to begin with. It was in the Word to begin with. And so when the Word proceeded out, 
that which proceeded out had to happen because it wasn't the man. We don't even know in what form God spoke it, but he said it before there was any earthly form. And so when Jesus came, the, the perfect image of the invisible God standing upon earth, and he said, you know, rise up, take up your bed and walk. He did. Because it was the Logos that was coming out. Not just the voice of a man, but the Logos was speaking. Behold, and they were. And as the Logos began to breathe upon the earth, there came forth, there came marine life, building up to bird life, onto animal life, and finally there was something in the representation or look like the thing that was brooding over it. You see, God, he's saying God brooded over the earth. He brooded, the Spirit of God moved. Oh, it wasn't 24 hours. He brooded, and he brooded it. Let there be, and there was. Let the waters, and it did. Let the earth, and it did. He kept brooding over the earth. Kept brooding until came one like him. Looked like the one, it was a representation of the one that was brooding. Standing upon the earth. And then God maybe stepped back and said, It's very good. This is very good. He was now seeing his attributes. I had certain desires, now I see them manifested. And it's very good. After he said it was very good. The scripture says, and all, all the animals, those are something that God had in his mind. And all of these living creatures begin to pass before Adam. And Adam, with the very intelligence of God, gave name to all the animals, each male and his female, passing by. And then the scripture says, but there was none found for Adam. And God says, it's not good. Not Adam. Adam, he didn't say, I'm lonely. I see all these going by in pairs, but there's nothing for me. Oh, Adam didn't say that. God said it. It's not good for man to be alone. He's finished his creation, the original creation. That's why the prophet says byproduct. He says, I'll make for him, for him a wife. I'll make a woman. Had nothing to do with her choice and nothing to do with Adam's choice had to do with God's choice and God brought the woman to the man this very day that you're seated here in this church or those that are on the internet seated where they are in the world part of the body of Christ there's a movement happening. There's an action taking place. We may call it missions. We may call it something else. We may call it a Sunday morning service or a Wednesday service or whatever more. But there's an action taking place. If this thing is of God, if it's not, we should, all, we should dismiss now and go home so we don't waste each other's time. And I'd be delighted to do that if I wasn't convinced it was God. 
But if it is God, then we say, God, what are you doing? And he'll say, I'm making a woman. And furthermore, it has come to the season that it's not the congregation anymore. It's not just a nation anymore. It's not just a peculiar people anymore. And it's not even what Jesus said. He said, I'll build my church. It's progressed beyond church because out of that church had to come a very specific woman called the bride of Jesus Christ, an elected lady. Hallelujah! That would be word of his word and bone of his bone. Hallelujah! Not an individual now, but a collective body, spirit of his spirit, word of his word, life of his life. Hallelujah! Flesh of his flesh. This is called the bride of Jesus Christ. And so not in his first coming, but in his second, he now comes. It wasn't Brother Branham that called you bride. It was the Son of Man called you bride he himself said you're not be church anymore there's been churches churches brides brides i see the logos coming out of the vessel mouth of a prophet vessel calling you bride a different kind of a collection now a different kind of a group a different kind of a body god the logos and i'm gonna bring her to the man some of us I trust all of us we talk about a body change I'll tell you that scripture only exists because God intends to bring some by that method he intends to change their atoms while they're breathing you'll take one breath in time and the next one will be in the eternities He intends to take you, but that action will be to fulfill that scripture. I'm going to bring the woman to the man. And you'll come to the man. Hallelujah. Some may come by the way of the grave. And they have died. They've been separated from life. Separated from their loved ones. And they're buried beneath the soil. But God has decreed, I'm going to bring the woman to the man. And though they may be nothing but ashes scattered to the seven seas or buried beneath the earth of this of this soil, God is going to bring them back in a resurrection and show that the last enemy to be destroyed, not just to be defeated, to be destroyed, is death. Hallelujah. In this man... Jesus Christ in his first coming realized something perhaps we didn't realize, but he, the creator, knew that we were born in sin and shapen in iniquities. We were we had a husband we were already united to, and that husband was our first nature, which we got through our byproduct birth, through a natural sexual birth. We came into the world born in sin, shapen in iniquities, with a nature speaking lies and living all kinds of a debauchery life. But God, rich in mercy, 
said they cannot be I, they cannot be taken and held from me and so God in his great mercy what he did was he came down himself hallelujah and Satan in Eden took the head of the woman and said did God say and the and the God himself didn't take the head of the woman, but he took her womb. And he created a seed. And out of that womb came one called Jesus Christ. He was the perfect image of the invisible God. And God was in him. He was God and man. Hallelujah. And he took our covenant with death. He took our covenant that came through a sexual birth. He took our covenant to the cross and it could only be destroyed by death. And so he took our sin and he went to the cross and took our covenant with death and died himself. One individual, one individual, God starting the redemptive process with one individual. He was the first fruits of many. He was the first sheaf that should be waved over the people. And the, and the waving of the sheaf was a testimony by God that there were more like him that are in the field. You weren't even born yet. The body you're sitting in was only elements of the earth. You weren't even born. Your mother and father hadn't even conceived you yet. You weren't even in anybody's thoughts. But God knew that you're going to come on the scene at a certain time. Not when Jesus would walk here and call you church, but when Jesus would walk here in another body and call you bride. Are you following me? And now he's going to give evidence to this ever-expanding power of his, this glorious dynamic power, the dynamics of the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to destroy death. I'm going to show that he's destroyed. He was destroyed at Calvary. And and our Lord Jesus raised with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. But now that was a single individual. But now it's going to be a collective body. They're going to rise. They're going to rise. Hallelujah. In the resurrection morning. There will be a resurrection. My brother, why can we say that? Because it is spoken and it shall be. Let there be and there was. Let it bring forth and it did. And he says, through the apostle Paul, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all rise. We'll not all sleep, but we'll be quickened in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. One of these days, more certain than I'm standing here, more certain than you're sitting there, there will come those raised from the dead. Hallelujah. They must be, because the word has already said it, the Logos has spoken. Hallelujah. And it cannot be any other way. And they'll begin to mingle with those that are alive. There'll be a sweep. Oh, I don't know what you feel this morning, but there'll be a sweep. Oh, God, let that sweep. Let me be a recipient of that sweep. A sweep over our bodies. And a change in our atoms. And we'll defeat death while we walk here on earth. Oh, let me be a part of that. Don't you want to be a part of that? You think I'm just excited. That's the truth of God's word. Don't.
don't miss that one. There'll be a sweep. The Logos has already spoken it, and it will be exactly as he said it. He said, there will be a bride. He saw it already. There will be a bride. And the very word coming out of his mouth was creating that bride for himself. He said his own word created her. Hallelujah. You're not here by an accident. If you're here because this church got a program, goodbye. If you're here because of just some little fellowship, goodbye. This gathering of people is for one purpose, the collective body of Jesus Christ. Not what I think, not what you think, not what I like, not what you like, not what we dislike. This is the body of Christ has been created by the word. And what we're seeing happening today is God himself bringing the woman to the man. That will be the final act. The final act, you'll pass from this realm, from this dimension. Oh, God, let it be. We'll pass from this dimension into another one, into the arms of our lover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You think Adam loved Eve? Wait till you see this. It'll be nothing like that. There's never been a union like this one. We're already united. But this veil of this flesh must drop so that we can seize the everlasting prize. That's why this isn't just religion. That's why this church isn't like other churches. That's why this message is not like other denominations. They aren't even the same. They're not in the same planet. When the man came, it was a very simple life. They rode on the donkeys and the animals and the burden bearers. Life was rural. Life was simple when the man came. But when the woman came, it was very complex. Women are from Venus. Men are from Mars, they say. I don't know what the difference is, but who can understand a woman? I thank God I know God. Canst thou understand this creature? Thou knowest. You that aren't married don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going on 51 years, and I've been in 51 years of training. I've learned a lot of things. But don't anybody come to me and ask me what I learned, because I'm not too sure what I learned. But the woman come in a very complex, and a prophet came, and in case you didn't know, he had to remind us, this is a complex age. This is an age... Jesus never indicated that the deception would be so powerful when he was here as the man that only scarcely would the righteous be saved. No, but when the woman come, in the age of the woman, the deception would be so powerful. The desires would be so strong. 
the enemy, Satan himself, will have taken the seals, so to speak, off of himself. He would have come out in the open and enchanted the people with every delight, with tantalized their every feeling, every sense, be it taste or smell, with all the perfumes and all the beautiful things and all the fragrances and all the foods and all the drinks and this and that. And this is new and flashing it before the people. New this, new that, try this, try that. And the people get on this meal and go, a new religion, a new sound, a new music, a new this. Everything's new. Oh, my brother, my sister, that's the age, the complex age of the woman. But in the midst of that complex age, in the midst of that deception, in the midst of that perversion, rises out of the earth a beautiful, pure, virgin wife. For the man, I will make for him a helpmeet. And he brought the woman to the man. He took centuries raising the man out of the earth. When God called Abraham, that's what he had in his mind, was Christ. It wasn't just Abraham, it was Christ. When he called, when he called him. I'm going to give you a seed. Isaac, come the other. Jacob, Joseph. God, in his mind, saw Christ. And he's raising him. Where? Out of the earth. He formed the first Adam out of the earth. I don't know. He didn't just go, clop, 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 clop. There you are. He brought him out, out of the earth. Now he's bringing the second Adam out of the earth. Oh, out of a terrible, tumultuous time. Out of bondage. They went into bondage. But that line of faith continued on. God's purpose could never be destroyed. I don't care what kind of invention comes. I don't care whether it be computer or the internet or all of this or whatever more. I don't care about their pornography or all of this business. I can tell you one thing. The work and purpose of God can never be. It can never be uh, derailed. It can never be thwarted. It can never be circumvented. Hallelujah. Oh, my brother, my sister, I just feel eaten up. I feel consumed with this. With this. It's not good for him to be alone. And the Bible says when Jesus was here, it says of him, and all men, all men, Brother Branham called it his church. I'm trying to make as much headway as I can. He called it his church, his 12 disciples, and they left him and fled. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But he came to his own. He's a, a man rejected of men and acquainted with grief. This was a part of this whole program. He was alone. But 
the same word abides. It's not good for him to be alone. There must be someone because the attribute of God called for fellowship. You think that God would hunger and thirst for fellowship, desire and yearn for fellowship, and allow some fallen archangel called Lucifer to, to prevent that? Not in a trillion years. Couldn't stop it. But even though, he, and you'll find wherever the word came, and the word then comes into and begins to issue out from Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul, he says, all men have forsaken me. You want to go and listen to present stage of my ministry. Now in this day, Brother Branham says, all the doors are closed. And he goes right to the same scripture. He says, Demas hath forsaken me. He said, Demas didn't go off into sin, but he just forsook him. And he described, there was a man that was with Brother Bradham, a very, very wealthy man, and his first name was Demas. I do not want to call his name in public, but he was the founder of the full gospel businessman's voice. And on down the road, and Brother Bradham describes before it even happened, he says he went off and he chose the big things, chose the wealth and chose those things. And I saw where that man sits on the platform with a Catholic bishop suggesting that all Roberts and, an, uh, and another great Christian leader should go to the Vatican and be received by the Pope. He said, and I'm going to put that forward. I think that they should do that. Way earlier, here's the Son of Man in the vessel of, of a prophet. Amen. Brother Branham being a vessel, portraying, giving, allowing the Son of Man to be revealed. Amen. He's saying, all men have forsaken me. Demas hath, for, Demas hath forsaken me. And he quotes from Paul, where Paul says, uh, when you come, Bring my cloak and bring the scrolls. Above all, bring the scrolls. And Paul was reduced. Think of it, friends. Here I am. You know, what am I? Below zero. And if I said, would you please bring my coat? There'd probably be 500 of you that would bring a coat. Here's Apostle Paul the very mouthpiece of God the very initiator of the New Testament doctrine one who would write most of this marvelous book of the New Testament saying when you come say this one has left me and Demas hath forsaken me and all men he said have forsaken me and he had one. He said, I've sent this one to Ephesus. But when you come, bring the books and bring the parchments especially. And bring my coat. Why was he? Why was he forsaken? Because 
Because of the man. Because of the man. Are you with me? Because of Christ. Because of the word. You can live your life down here and be as popular as you want. Or as popular as the world will allow you. But as you begin to express Christ. And you will hear some things perhaps tonight from Brother Mustafa. And in those countries. And from Brother Tony who just mentioned. If those men let it out. If they discover that they're Christians. It could either mean a bullet to the head. Or at the very least you lose your work. You lose your You lose your income. You're done. You're finished. I can tell you why. It's because of the man. Christ. You understand? But when when he expresses himself, when he makes himself known, people see it right away. They know it right away. And so in this day and age, in this day, Brother Branham had to say, and he did say it. He said, it's not me that they hate. It's the message. He was a nice man. They loved to have him. And he goes right back and says, Oh, that young prophet, Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, they wanted him. They wanted his sign. They wanted his miracles. They wanted that. They want the blessings. That's where the church got into trouble. Brother Branham said, You see the woman on the street. And then you'll see the spiritual church, because the church is a woman. What's a woman on the street do? She bears herself. The very graces that God has given her body to bring forth life, but exposes it to the world so that men can lust and commit adultery with them, making themselves prostitutes. That's strong, but that's the words that he used. And the prophet said if she dresses that way. Now that is only indicative of the spiritual condition for the church. The church exposed herself. Said, don't you want joy? Don't you want to be happy? Don't you want to be healed? Don't you want to have this? Don't you want to, you know, all, all of these blessings, all of these graces that God gave the church and exposed it to the world. No new birth. No repentance. I believe in repentance. I believe that it's the goodness of God that brings a man to repentance. And that that, that godly sorrow worketh repentance. And I tell you what, my brother, my sister, I still believe in the old-fashioned need to be sorry for our sin. Sorry that we rejected God. Sorry we walked away from Him. And come with a humility and repentance. And then, then comes forgiveness. Are you with me? And so it was in this day that He had to be rejected. The message had to be rejected. And we have a rejected message. So we're not trying to make it popular. We're not trying to, you know, expose the graces of the message. I believe it still has to come the same old-fashioned way. People have to come by repentance. And then God honors that. Amen. Hallelujah. Give me another few minutes.
in the message, Jehovah Jireh. He said, if you could just realize that the very one that you serve and separated yourself from the world to serve, the very one that you love, the very one that's going to stand in judgment, you in judgment with him to be judged, if his presence can come right here and show that he's here. He said, now, and he said the only difference, he said, now his corporal body can't do it. There was, I'm trying to acquaint you with the full scope of this ministry. The corporal body can't do it. There was nothing different, nothing different between Christ standing here 2,000 years ago in a corporal body and he's telling them everything is exactly the same. The only thing he can't do what he wants to do now and the only difference is the corporal body. Now he's in the corporate body. He's in the body of Jesus Christ. But it is the same identical Christ. Oh, if we could have that understanding, that revelation this morning, personal revelation to you. It's the same Christ. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, or what your station life, it is the same Christ. But it's just not the corporal body. It's the corporate body. And that's what, that's what God is dealing with right now. And there are some things, just as I draw to a close, there are some things, friends, that cannot happen in the individual, on an individual basis, quite the same. And that is why the scripture says, if two or three Amen. shall agree, Amen. it shall be done. Amen. Don't question God and don't, don't ask why that is. We can ask, but we won't get the answer. But the one thing, I, I've taken you right from Genesis all the way through the scripture. One thing is absolutely certain. When God had his purpose and his program in mind, and you are a part of that program, if you believe you're part of that program, I am stating emphatically and irrevocably that what God had in his mind was a corporate, a body, the body of Christ. And that, in his final act, think of it, his final act, oh my. He brought the woman to the man, and in that first instance, the fall came. They fell. She was deceived, and her husband went in to redeem her, and the fall came. And God immediately began to build another masterpiece, and brought forth the second Adam. And now there's a wife for that Adam. And in the conclusion of the ages, in the end time, and here we are. His final act is to bring her to him to, to show the ultimate defeat of what happened back there. And to think that you and I could sit here this morning and be a part of that program. It's so moving to me to think that he would call us nobodies. 
call us insignificant creatures of the earth. And he would allow us, as he said, an invisible union, creeping on the brittle threads. We little humans creeping on the brittle threads of life in our very life stream being expended from us. And you're getting older and you're going to get weaker and death already rests on us. But with this great sentence that God has given, there'll be a bride and she'll be a spotless bride. There'll be a resurrection. There'll be a supper table. There'll be these things. The very Logos that spoke in the beginning, let there be, is the same one that has said this. And if you just say, well, that was a man. He's a nice lowly Nazarene from Nazareth. His father's here, Joseph. And that's the way people treat Brother Branham's ministry. It's not that. You miss that completely. It's not that at all. It's so far beyond that. But when you get the revelation that that was a very Logos. Hallelujah. If God wanted to say out of his mouth, let there be a, let there be a light in the firmament. It's the same one that spoke it. Brother Branham says of Jesus Christ, because he was creator, when he hung on the cross, he says everything had to testify that he was forsaken. Even the sun and the moon, which he created, stopped shining, turning their back on him. His creation left him, he said. His creation forsook him. His father forsook him. His church forsook him. He was alone. But there was a word, he shall not be alone. For it's not good that man shall be alone. I will make for him a way. I don't know what you think about him, but to me there's no, there, there isn't anything that could be too good for him. And to think somehow to grasp, somehow I'm a part of that unit called the body, the bride, the wife of the lamb, the bride of Jesus Christ. It's, things are too wonderful for us. Nobody knows you perhaps better than yourself outside of God himself. You know all your frailties, and you know all your weaknesses, and you know everything about you know your failures. And to think, I'm part of what he took to make. I'll make a wife for him. I'll make a woman for him. In the mind of God, in the mind of God, somehow I say, couldn't you choose something better? Couldn't you choose someone with more integrity? Couldn't you choose a more sincere people? But it had nothing to do with that. It has to do with election. How glorious election is. I have chosen them. And nobody can question why he chose you, why he chose me. He has chosen us. And I will make for him a wife, a woman. It's not good that this man, the son of man, should be alone. I'll make for him a wife. And here in the end time, here you sit in the end time with this great, splendid, glorious honor. Sitting here beside your friends, your husband, your wife, your children, or whatever more. I want you to go out of this place saying, I'm part of what God has picked up out of the earth and began to form. Not a man now, but a woman. It wasn't, oh... Through the holy union of marriage, 
My mother and father came together and gave me life. I was birthed into this world. I'm a Norwegian. I'm a German. I'm, I'm a Brit. I'm this. I'm that. I'm Russian. I'm Ukrainian. I'm Canadian. I'm American. That's a bunch of nonsense. It was God taking a piece of the earth and saying, I'm going to make a woman. And a woman's going to be suited to my son. Exactly to his taste. That's what this is all about. And there's nothing, nothing that can ever change that word of God that's been spoken. It has been spoken and thus it shall be. Praise his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Thy word, O God. That is his word. That's what he said. I'm glad I had an Elijah prophet in this day said, Don't worry. She'll be there. She'll be there. Not here, there. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? If he said you'll be here in 2004, that wouldn't bring any joy to my heart. But when he said, don't worry, you'll be there. You'll be there. I say, oh God, that's what I will hang on to. That's where my faith will be anchored. You'll be there. What do you think about a church? What do you think about a Cloverdale Bible Way? What do you think about those on the internet? What do you think about it? And say, oh, I will accept that Logos voice. Don't worry. You'll be there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Oh, God, how we thank you. Your word is for eternally settled in heaven. What kind of joy does that bring you? What kind of peace, what kind of satisfaction does that bring you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This isn't some ball game. This isn't the Super Bowl. This isn't some NBA game or brawl. This isn't something else, friends of this world. This isn't a bunch of excitement that's been whipped up by some music or some band. But this is something that whatever you feel, you feel as a result of the word of God. Oh, may it reach deep down into your soul. May it set you on a plane that you have never visited before. And may we dwell there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the almighty God. In the resurrection morning, I think we have to sing it. We have to sing it in the face of every demon. Hell has been emptied out onto the earth. Do you deny that? Not a bit. Hell is on the earth. Hell is in our governments. Hell is in our school system. Hell, all this debauchery and filth. It's because hell is loosed. My brother, my sister, you want to be thankful for you and your family. You have the blood of Jesus Christ standing over you and the token inside. Crying out, it's finished, it's finished. The price is paid. That's what the token says.
You have the token in you. And whether we go by the way of the grave or whether we go by the way of the change, remember that what I'm saying to you today, that is the act. That will probably be like the final act that God has of bringing you to the man. You might say, well, Brother Branham said, I'm going to change it a wee bit. When God brought that, Brother Branham said, most beautiful woman that ever lived, brought her to Adam. He looked on her and he said, this now is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of the man. When Jesus, now in a bodily form, sees us, he'll look on us and say, this is the most beautiful thing that was ever produced off the face of the earth. Hallelujah. He'll look on it and say, this is bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. This is the same spirit that was never divided from God Almighty. This is the same spirit. It'll mean a whole lot more than it perhaps does today. Or it did when Jesus said it to the disciples. You and I are one. You'll be in me. I and the Father. The Father and me. We're one. We've heard it oh so many times. We're one. But when you have him. Brother Bram says we're going to sit across the table. And I think we ought to think about that. We're going to sit across the table. From one another. The redeemed. Of the bride ages. The bride from all the ages. Could be sitting at the wedding supper. We're going to look at one another. And he said, tears of joy will start going down your face. I guess they will. Tears of joy. And he's going to come out. He said, he'll come out. He's going to walk right down the table. Say, don't cry anymore, children. It's all over. Tell you what, friends. It's all over. I want to hear those words. The voice I've heard before, I want to hear it once more. Saying it's all over. Don't cry anymore. No more separate. Let my heart be bowed and my knees bend. Hallelujah. But first I'm going to sing a bit of the, in a, in a resurrection morning. I want to be there. I believe we'll be there by His grace. All right, we'll sing a verse or two.